Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Bill. Really want to express uh, appreciation to Jeff and to Ken who've come out and they did a fantastic job in the downstairs storeroom. Uh, for those of you who've never been there, you should be thankful you never went in there. Uh, scary and smelly and <laughs> awful and, and so now uh, it's nice and cleaned up. And as Ken was saying, there are things down there that, that have been pulled out uh, downstairs in the uh, fellowship room. If you want to go down there and check and see if there's anything there that uh, is yours or that you might be interested in having, that would be great. Otherwise, um, Lane Waste Management will get a nice donation from the Pleasant Hill Church of Christ. So just so you know, uh, that would be great. So thank you, gentlemen, for, for doing that. Uh, let's go right into our words of encouragement. So, Jamie, uh, I love your hugs. You're very nice and encouraging and enjoy spending time around you. You have a charming, charming personality. I had coffee with Jamie uh, just a couple days ago, and I would say amen to that one. Uh, all the excitement to serve here in Pleasant Hill is contagious. Praise God for all uh, for stepping up. All right, Brad, I hope you're listening. Brad McKinney, this is for you. Uh, Brad McKinney, thank you for diligently loading the podcast to the website each week. Your service has been a blessing to me as I am able to listen uh, and to any sermons I missed and be blessed by them. Angie says that. So thank you very much. And you want to put that on my, and I'll deliver it to him on Tuesday. That'd be great. All right, Mr. Compton, your leadership and light are such a treasure to so many of us. Thank you for standing strong for the Lord in this world. You're an amazing man of God. Thank you with hearts. Ewing family, uh, for the enthusiastic bell ringer, Evan, for jokes on my level, Holly, and for speakers and a sound system that I can hear and follow. Thanks, Ben, very much. So there you go, Ewing family. Let's give it up for Ewing family. All right, so that was uh, not too many, so that's that's uh, pretty good. And I'd like to point out something about our bell ringing for one of our neighbors as we were walking in here. Yes. And they were so thrilled to hear that bell yeah. ringing. Yeah. 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 Was that was that uh, Jerry next door? I believe it was. Okay, cool, awesome. Well, if it was a lady, that's that's good too. <laughs> See, Evan, you're waking up the local neighborhood. They love it. It's awesome. No, and that was a good comment, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so thanks, Ev. Appreciate that. That's awesome. Okay, so let's see if we got some announcements here. I'm sure that we do somewhere. Uh, Monday night college age group uh, is having dinner tomorrow night at 5:45 and and study. And uh, please bring your books, Atomic Habits. That would be great. Oh, by the way, tonight evening assembly is here at six o'clock. Um, Wednesday evening is going to be at the Parks Place at 7 o'clock, and Thursday is Ladies' Study, uh, again at the Parks Place, hosted by Melissa at 7 o'clock. So, uh, upcoming dates that you want to put on your calendar. On uh, this coming Saturday from 9 to noon, uh, we're going to have spring cleaning here, and again, uh, Ken and, and uh, uh, Jeff have done some things down in the little storage room is good. Uh, but there's several other places where there's all sorts of interesting and old and dusty and unused things. 
And so if you want to come out and help clean up and really make the place look spoofy, that would be great. And we're going to start at nine and we're going to end at noon. So if we don't get it done, we don't get it done. But uh, I know that Next Step Recycling is going to get a lot of old computers and a lot of old electronic stuff. So we're going to give them a donation uh, as well. So uh, also to Sunday, next Sunday, the 28th, uh, after the morning assembly, we're going to have an ice cream social meeting. And so um, we have planned events and God has kind of interestingly opened the dates up, uh, Kate Brown, both for Oregon Family Camp and for the Pumpkin Spice Holiday Bazaar, at the right time decided to open the, the, the county up or, or, you know, Lane County. So thank you, Kate Brown. But I think there's something more going on than just Kate Brown. So <laughs> praise the Lord. We just planned it and it worked out. So we're going to go ahead and and uh, we're not putting God to the test. We're putting Kate Brown to the test. And she's going to follow what God wants. So we're going to set a date uh, in the summer. We're not going to go in May, but we'll go in the summer. And uh, set a date so we want to be ready to do that. Last year, by the way, for those of you who participated, you know, we made $10,000, which was phenomenal for the, the young people in Belarus. And so we hope we can do something similar this year. So next Sunday, right after assembly, if you would like to join us, that would be great. Any other announcements I might have missed? Any other announcements I might have missed? All right. Let's grab our Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 6 this morning. Hebrews chapter 6. And although this is not one of, of the two anchor verses, this is a tremendous passage speaking about the, really the, the importance of, of the foundation for hope because the vast majority dwells in hopelessness and because they put their hope in things that are uh, insecure and unstable. So Hebrews in chapter 6, and let's begin in verse 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he, Abraham, obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves and with them an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise, that's by the way, speaking of Christians, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us. Having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Holy Father, I pray that today as in, in the days to come, we would recognize that faith and hope and love are really the key foundational uh, parts of being a man or a woman who has a heart that will persevere no matter what the future holds. We know from from in past ages where you have made promises and those men and women who trusted you and followed through 
were ones that were richly blessed and did receive what was promised. But for those who would shrink back and for those who gave up the faith, those men and women suffered greatly and were not blessed uh, of you. Father, we must have faith. We must have hope and we must have love based upon your promises. And I pray, Father, that as we would finish this lesson today, we'd recognize that you have made promises in the past and you have fulfilled them and you have provided for your people. And Father, we can put our trust and our confidence in the promise that if we remain faithful, if we put our hope only in you and the, the promises that you have made, that Lord God, you would bless. And I pray that you would help us to see that today and embrace that today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. It seems as if there's a thing called fake news. And there's so much fake news out there that some of it's gotta be true. The problem is, is what part is true and what part isn't? And so if you were to pick up uh, several different news stories about the same exact thing, you would get a different perspective by however many commentators there were. You would get their perspective. The problem is you don't know what is true. You need evidence. You need substance. You need proof. Well, God has made promises that he is going to open up the doors of heaven and allow all those who have remained faithful to enter in. He has promised that he will bless those who will follow him. And so we've been working on the first of three component parts of hope. If you take a look at the lesson title in your lessons, the lesson title is Remember His Past Promises and Provision. If we go back and we take a look at God's promises that he's made to others in the past, and we see how those promises were actually fulfilled, and we seek out the evidence that proves those promises, we know then that the promise that God makes now, he will follow through. The scripture this morning that we began with, if you had turned to that passage once again, and take a look at verse 17. There's a statement there that's very important for us to understand about God. Verse 17 in Hebrews chapter 6. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise. That's talking about Christians. Do your own study. Talking about Christians who would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. It's our inheritance securing our redemption. Look at Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14 to prove that. And so he's talking to Christians here and he says, the unchangeableness of his purpose. God wanted to make sure that we understood that he's not changing. And so he interposed with an oath or a promise so that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we may have taken refuge, would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. He's talking to Christians. What's the hope set before Christians? Particularly these Christians who are about to go under horrible persecution. Many of them would die as martyrs. He wanted them to take hold of the hope that they were going to be with him forever and eternity if they remained faithful. The very next chapter talks about faithfulness and the number of witnesses who remained faithful. 
And because they were faithful, they received the promises that God had made. So for us, near the end of time, the promise is, is that we will all enter in to heaven forever and eternity if we remain faithful. But we must have hope that this is true. And therefore we need evidence. And so let's go once again to point number one. Just a very quick statement about point number one. Noah, Noah endured a hundred years plus building the ark and then another year in the ark and then established mankind once again. Now, do we have evidence that that actually happened? Well, we can read the scriptures and say, well, I believe the Bible, but I need more than just black on white. I need evidence. There's an awful lot of archaeological evidence. Evidence that you can actually see. Evidence that you can actually hold. That prove that, in fact, there was a flood. We've talked about this before. Just go over to the John Day fossil beds. There are seagoing creatures in John Day. In fact, in all great mountain ranges, there are seagoing creatures fossilized. How's that possible? It's evidence of a cataclysmic flood that was worldwide. That's evidence. God said he was going to flood the earth and start again. And we have evidence that that actually happened. Now, now let's take a look at Abraham. God promised and Abraham obeyed. God told Abraham to get out of the city of Ur and go to the promised land, which he would later receive as his inheritance. I want to go to Genesis 12, though, because something different was being spoken of there in regards to the inheritance that Abraham would receive. We, by the way, are a part of the blessing and the promise of Abraham. Turn with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 12. Genesis in chapter 12. Here is where the promise begins that God made to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. So you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. He said, in Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, if you know anything about human history, the, the Muslim religion believes in Abraham as their father. For remember, Abraham had relations with Sarah's handmaid, Hagar, and she had a son, Ishmael, and from Ishmael came then the other peoples which recognized Abraham as their father. But there was a promised child, a miraculous child, for Sarah was not able to bear children. And either was Abraham, for he was over a hundred years old. And God promised Abraham that he would have a child and he would be, name him Isaac. Isaac because Sarah laughed when she heard God tell Abraham that she was going to be pregnant with child. Well, a year later, God shows back up on the scene and guess who's there? A bouncing baby boy named Isaac. Then a great nation grew out of Isaac. 
a great nation of 12 sons. And through that great nation of 12 sons and the son of Judah came a man named Jesus in the family line of Abraham, in the family line of King David. And Jesus transformed the world. And we now have hope, no longer hopeless, but hope because of the great sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we just heard about. Now we need to recognize and understand that Abraham lived and the things that are spoken about Abraham are true. So I want to go back and take a look now at this promise as it unfolds in Genesis and see how it's really speaking about us being the great nation, the great family and families that are blessed through Abraham. Turn with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abram, I am a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Abram said, O Lord, God, what will you give me since I am childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have given me no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Now look toward the heavens and, and count the stars, if you're able to count them. And said to him, So shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord, and he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the uh, out of, of Ur of the Chaldeans, to give you this land to possess it. He said, O Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, and he makes the covenant with him. He made a promise in the next chapter that he would have a son, and his son would be named Isaac. Now I want you to jump forward in your notes to Genesis chapter 22. He has his son Isaac. His son Isaac is a young man. And in, in chapter 22, verse 15 through 18, we hear the promise stated once again, but it makes reference to a descendant, a singular descendant of Abraham, who would bless all the nations of the world. Let's read, beginning there in verse 15. Genesis chapter 22, verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord said to Abram, Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Indeed, I will greatly bless you and I will greatly multiply your seed. Singular. As the stars of the heavens and as the sand which is on the seashore and your seed singular, shall possess the gate of his enemies. In your seed, or in this one descendant, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. What's God talking about there? Many of you know that God made the promise that he would have a son from his own loins. Both his wife Sarah and he were unable to, 
physiologically, biologically to have a child because of the deadness of her womb and the deadness of Abraham's body in regards to having a child. And yet God provided a child through Abraham and Isaac. And nine months later, Sarah had a baby boy. So what a blessing that baby boy was. At the time of the promise, Sarah laughed. Isaac means laughter. And so through Isaac now, the promise that Abraham would be a great blessing to all the nations would come. But notice it says a seed of Abraham. Is it Isaac? Let's go forward to the book of Galatians now and chapter 3. The book of Galatians in chapter 3. And notice the promise is spoken here by the Apostle Paul, referring back to what we have just read about Abraham. In Galatians in chapter 3, beginning in verse, I want to start in verse 6. It says verse 8 there, but let's start in verse 6 to get a little bit more of a running start in uh, this passage. Chapter 3, beginning in verse 6. Even so, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. We just read that just a moment ago. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham, not sons of law or circumcision, physical circumcision, but it's those who are of faith. I would have you read Romans in chapter 4 to learn more about the faith of Abraham and our being of the like same faith. But reading on, it says in verse 8, the scripture, the Old Testament, foreseeing that God would justify, make innocent before God, the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations shall be blessed in you. That's Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. That was a gospel message that through you, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. What was God talking about back in Genesis 12 and verse 3? You, you can't know from just reading Genesis 12, 3, but it's going to be revealed to us right now. It goes on and it says there in this passage, it says, so then those who are, who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. For as many as are of the works of the law, those who are law keepers, according to the Old Testament uh, law given to Moses, are under a curse. For it's written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. The law is good and holy and righteous and true, but it was not the, the tool by which God would give us life eternal and righteousness. It's through the promise that he made to Abraham that he would send a redeemer, his seed, Jesus Christ, through the family line of Abraham, through the family line of King David, who would be the one man, as was said by our brother Eric, that chose to not sin so that he could be that one human sacrifice for all of us who had fallen short. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Let's read on. It goes on and it says there, in verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, 
Jesus was cursed for us on the cross so that you and I would not be cursed. He bore all our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you and I were healed. Jesus is the seed of Abraham that would come. And that seed of Abraham was not Jesus in the flesh only. Let's read on. Verse 14. Jesus became a curse in order that for this reason, in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, indwelling us through faith. And the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ in you is the spirit of glory. I just quoted two scriptures to you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. A hope that is now given to you because in Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 and 30, it says that those whom he called, he justified, made innocent. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Christians already are seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. We already are glorified, for we are in Christ. The spirit of glory indwells us, and as Romans 6 says, we are seated with him in the heavenly places. Our hope is secure. Brethren, we need to understand that. We don't know what the future holds, brethren, just as those in, in Hebrews 10 where it talks about they had all their property taken, but they were joyful because they knew they had a better possession in heaven because that possession was secured by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see, the world hates Jesus Christ and the world hates those who are of Christ. Let's read a little bit further in Galatians chapter three. I want to begin once again there in Galatians three, but look at verse 15. Paul says, now brothers, I speak in terms of human relations. I'm trying to help you understand this from a base human understanding. Even though it's only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets aside or adds conditions to it. In other words, God made a promise to Abraham. And so if you think you're going to get to heaven through law, the law came later. God's not going to go back on his promise. Remember, God won't break his promise and God can't lie. We read it this morning in Hebrews 10. Therefore, we know that our salvation is secure in Christ Jesus. Let's read a little bit further now. Verse 16. Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Plural, singular. He does not say and to seeds as referring to many, but rather to one and to your seed. That is Christ. What I'm saying is this. The law which came 430 years later does not invalidate the covenant pre previously ratified by God. God's promise is that our salvation is not based on law keeping. Our salvation is based upon our relationship with Jesus Christ, who is the seed of Abraham. And if we will have the faith of Abraham and we'll walk by the faith of Abraham, the faith of Jesus Christ, we will not turn back. But we will know for certain that what God has promised, he is and will deliver. The world wants to crush the church. 
Go back to book of Revelation right now with me as our brother Jeff read in Revelation 12. Look at the last verse in chapter 12. You read the whole chapter, chapter 12. It's talking about the war that's come to earth between Satan and the church, the people of God. Look at the last verse. It says here, So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Do you hold to the gospel of Jesus Christ as your hope? <coughs> really, it's called the gospel of peace, the gospel of grace, the gospel of hope, the good news. You see, brethren, if you are in Christ, do not give up what you have been given. You remain faithful to the end. How was it that the first century church could undergo such heinous martyrdom and they would preach to their last breath, calling those who were putting them to death to repent and receive the rich blessing of paradise that only God could give? And as they breathed their last, As Jesus said, the angels came for them. As he will for all those who remain faithful to him. Brethren, the two great religions of the world know and believe and embrace the truth of a man named Abraham. One from a physical, biological lineage and another through the power of God having brought back to life the womb of Sarah and Abraham's body that they might bring a child, a child of promise, a miraculous child, who through the Christ would come. Brethren, we stand hopeful as the rest of the world is hopeless. What do you put your hope in, by the way? Do you put your hope in money? Do you put your hope in your spouse? Do you put your hope in your preacher? Do you put your hope in your president? Do you put your hope in your car? Do you put your hope in your house? Do you put your hope in your health? Where do you put your hope? Do you put your hope in your great intelligence? Where do you put your hope? All of those things are bound to fail. The only hope that is sure and steadfast and which enters into the veil, behind the veil, heaven. That's Jesus Christ. And if you are in Christ, you are in glory, and your hope is secure. Read once again Hebrews chapter 6, and you'll see what's being spoken of there. Well, where is the physical evidence like uh, Noah's flood and all of the sea animals and stuff? Well, let's go to the last man that we can look to, Moses Exodus chapter 3. Many of you know of this great leader. Exodus in chapter 3. Beginning in verse 7. The Lord said, I, will sh I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up 
from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Therefore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. I'm sure that Moses was really excited about everything from verse 7 down to verse 9. Yay, God, go get him. Okay? And then verse 10 comes along and goes, Well, I don't speak very well. Uh, I stummer, stammer, and all. I, 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 uh, you can tell right now. No, you're the man. And Moses, as the scriptures say, was the most humble man. Willing to yield himself to serve God. Moses did some pretty amazing things. Moses was a witness for us. You know what a witness does? A witness tells the truth. A witness will write down what he saw, what he heard. And that's what he did in his life. And I want you to write down four great witnesses of Moses that we do have evidence for. If you would, wouldn't mind thinking with me for just a moment, God just said, Moses, you're going to be the one who delivers the people of Israel out of Egypt by my power. Now Moses didn't do it on his own because Moses was in many regards, just a, a, a weak, limpling kind of guy. But through the power of God, he was able to deliver those people. Now, I don't know about you, but would you imagine going to the greatest president or dictator in the world and telling him, well, I got news for you. God has told me that if you don't let the people be free, that he's going to whoop up on you. Now, how many of you would be willing to do that? Well, uh, you know what? That's a, that's a big, tall order. But that's what he did. Okay, God told him to do it. Okay, I'll go do it. So God says, I need to soften this guy up a little bit. We're going to send some plagues. So I'll tell you the plague. You go tell him the game plan and let him know that he has a chance to repent. Now, you know the stories, don't you? The first plague was a plague of blood. And all the water in Egypt was blood. You couldn't drink it anywhere. Could you imagine trying to go take a shower? Whoop, not taking a shower today. Going to get you a tall drink of McKinsey water. Not drinking any good water today. So we need to recognize that there was one that was, of all, the one that broke Pharaoh's back. And that was the death of the firstborn. And in that death of the firstborn, God protected his people Israel. Remember how he did it? Through the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb painted on the door frame of the house. And when the angel came through to strike down the firstborn of man and beast, those people who had the blood of the lamb on their door frame were passed over and they did not experience the death that came to Egypt. There's death coming once again to every soul of man who does not have the blood of the Lamb of God in their lives. And that's the second death. Oh yes, we all are going to experience the first death unless the Lord comes back. 
But you don't have to experience the second death, and that second death is the separation from God forever and eternity. And by the blood of the Lamb, the people of Israel were delivered. And by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, you and I will stand justified, innocent before God, and you will be allowed into the promised land, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which, if you're a Christian today, you are already a part of that eternal kingdom. So when you pass away physically and your eyes open up on the other side, the angels will be there to greet you, to escort you home. That's how Jesus says it's done. Those who don't, there's no angels. So if you die in your sleep and you wake up on the other side, I am hoping and praying you have angels to escort you. If you don't, it's not going to be so fun. But see, that's a wonderful choice. We can allow Jesus to bear the price of our sin and have his blood cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is one of the great and awesome testimonies that is still carried throughout the world. The great testimony of the blood of the Lamb and the Passover. But there's another witness of God's great provision, and that's the manna, the meat, and the water in the wilderness. They were crossing some of the most arid geography in the world and their shoes did not wear out and they did not have their backpacks with little water purifiers in them god provided bread from heaven god provided meat and god provided water now spiritually speaking god did provide manna from heaven for you that's jesus christ he is the bread of life it says who came down out of heaven that we would not spiritually starve. And by the way, he also gave water, spiritual water. The, the living water that's in you is the spirit of God. And as we take a look at that other provision that he made, the meat, he gave you the meat of the word that you might discern between good and evil. So we have bread, meat and water granted to us in the spiritual realm. Now the question is, is are we going to partake? If they would have rejected that, they would have died in the wilderness. If they would have gone back to Egypt, they would have died in Egypt. But as it was, they got to see the promised land, those who remained faithful. Moses witnessed of God's deliverance through the Red Sea from Pharaoh's army. There's a video that I'm going to be showing our young people, our teens class here in a couple, uh, a couple of weeks, in regards to the Red Sea crossing. There is physical evidence to substantiate all of the scriptural uh, uh, truths in regards to Moses leading the children out of Egypt into the promised land. Evidence, evidence that you can get your hands on. Evidence that's available to see even now as it's been uh, protected in museums. We need to know that the truth of God's word is, is that there was a Red Sea crossing that you went through that destroyed Satan, Pharaoh, king of the demon angels, as it says in the book of Revelation. 
and that that Red Sea crossing destroyed also the power that that Pharaoh, the devil, has in your life. If you understand the power that you now have, having been set free, you're no longer bound. And there's the power that Satan does not want you to know about. And so the evidence of God's promise to these three men, physical evidence, Evidence that we can see here, touch today, proves that when God makes a promise, he's not going back on his promise. So the first foundational piece of hope is to see what God promised in the past and see if he's followed through. And if God has followed through every single time, is he going to not follow through when he makes a promise that heaven is yours if you remain faithful to him? Heaven is ours, brethren, don't let anyone steal that from you. The world is working overtime to steal that truth from you. Brethren, we are the only people on the face of the earth who have hope. We are all, we're the only people on the face of the earth that can have families and marriages that are functional and thriving and growing and filled with peace and joy. But we must follow faithfully the pattern of God's word. Brethren, the testimony of God's promises in the present is what we're going to talk about next week. And I'm going to share with you specific things that have happened in my life and in the lives of others where they stepped out in faith and followed with what God said in regards to his promises fulfilled. And also, too, in the lives of several of the New Testament faithfuls fulfilled. Brethren, how important it is then for us then to look to the future and decide how we'll live now because we know that the future is secure. That's what this is all about. I don't know what's being preached in other churches and honestly, I pray that they would preach the gospel of hope. That's what we're doing right now. And then the gospel of love and that's what we're going to be doing as soon as we're done with the foundation pieces of hope. And you know where love started? Love started way back in the garden. And that's where we're going to start talking about the great love of God. So brethren, stay tuned. Come back. Grow in faith, hope, and love so that you'll be able to stand firm until the end. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for the rich blessing that you've granted to us in Christ, that you've given us your word. And as was talked about critical thinking, we can examine the evidence and we can glean the proof of the power that you have to make a promise and consistently follow through on that promise. How we praise you and thank you, Father. We ask that you would help us to grow in faith, grow in hope, and grow in love. As, has, as we have been warned that when things really fall apart in a society, the love of many grows cold. Father, the love that you've granted to us in Christ Jesus should burn hotter than ever before and people should feel it, see it, experience, know it, embrace it and bow the knee and become Christians, Father. I pray that you'll help us to see the power we have in this day and in this age, Father. Help us to be hopeful, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's stand, let's stand up and let's take a look. Jesus said to what? He said to go. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King.
Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. King of Kings. All right, thank you very much. See you next week, Lord willing. Thanks once again for listening. To download today's lesson plan or find out more about Cornerstone Truth Podcast and our church, please go to www.cornerstonetruth.org or email us at thecornerstonetruth at gmail.com. Have a blessed week.